Good morning, Family Church. It's great to be back. My wife and I have recently uh, just returned from a four-week sabbatical and uh, just a blessed time away to be able to go and spend time with family and spend time with the Lord, read, study, and prayer. Thank you for allowing um, us to be able to do that. And uh, Terry's is, is coming up shortly, and I know he had back-to-back um, sermons that he preached while we were gone. Also, thank you for joining us on our family Sunday. I know there's tons of kids in the service. If you're visiting with us this morning, I know I met a, a couple of people who it's their first time here and they have a lot of kids. And so we just want to tell you they're welcome here in the service. We're called Family Church, and we think it's together as a family. We think that having your kids in the service to be able to see what happens here is good. And we understand that they're learning how to do this. We understand that it's not normal to sit still for so long. And so just last week, my wife and I were visiting a church, and our child was the one squirming, and I had to get up in the middle of service and leave. And I just want to tell you that's okay if they make some noise this morning. And so we're in John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 1. I also want to say thank you for those of you who are in ministry or pastors. I met three pastors this morning who are visiting our church. And if you're in ministry or a pastor here, I just pray that you are refreshed and that you're able to disconnect and just enjoy the time that the Lord has given you. We're in John chapter 1, and we've seen as we've been working through the book of John that Jesus has been proclaimed as God. We saw how the world was created. It was by his own voice. Last week, Terry looked at the testimony of John the Baptist towards Jesus Christ when the Pharisees were sending people to him saying, Who are you? In verse 19, This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? They asked him, was he the Christ? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny it, but confessed and said, I am not the Christ. And then they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet then? And he answered, no. We see in verse 27, this is what John the Baptist says. He who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. In verse 30, it says, Behold the Lamb of God. We see Jesus was coming towards John the Baptist. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. We see John the Baptist was not about himself. He was all about Jesus Christ. He said he came not to testify about himself, but to testify to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to look at the results of that type of preaching. The results of John the Baptist ministry is what we're going to look at this morning. Will you pray with me as we get started? God, we give you praise for who you are. God, we thank you for your goodness. We would not know what good is apart from you. God, we thank you that we're able to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're able to know you. We're able to have access to God. Our sins are forgiven. Right now we can experience your love and your grace, and you've given us all of those things. God, we thank you for taking the wrath that we deserved. God, we pray this morning that we may open up your truths, that we may learn from these things. May you give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see. God, incline our hearts to what is not natural, but to understand truth. 
given by your word. God, we thank you for your word and for allowing us to come alongside and to join in your great glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus Christ came on the scene. I want you to imagine being there. Even imagine being John the Baptist. Because before Jesus got there, John the Baptist was the superstar. I want you to think about it. In the city, everybody knew who John the Baptist was. They were whispering his name. They were talking about John the Baptist. The religious circles were talking about John the Baptist. The common man was talking about John the Baptist. Everybody was going to see John the Baptist, right? He was baptizing. People were going there. They were probably talking with him, asking his advice, having him pray over them. He was baptizing people. Everybody was going to see John the Baptist. How easy it would have been to be sucked into being important, to be being needed, being used by God in such an incredible way. And this morning, we're going to look at the rubber, when the rubber meets the road in John the Baptist's life. When Jesus shows up on the scene, what is he going to do? This important status that he had, where all the people knew him and they were coming to him, how is he going to react? We'll pick up in verse 35 this morning in John chapter 1. It says this, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, Notice it just says two. There's not a crowd. There's not a group. There's just two guys with John the Baptist. Verse 36. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Everybody left John the Baptist. He had two disciples at that point. Jesus walks by. John the Baptist holds nothing back when he's preaching about Jesus Christ. And those two disciples, I can just imagine them standing there like, well, why are we with this guy? This guy's saying that guy's better. And they just pick up and they just leave and start following Jesus. William Barclay, a Bible um, scholar, says this, Once again, we see John the Baptist pointing beyond himself. He must have known very well that to speak to his disciples about Jesus this way was to invite them to leave him and transfer their loyalty to this new and greater teacher. Yet he did it anyway. There was no jealousy in John. He had come to attach men, not to himself, but to Christ. There was no harder task than to take the second place when once the first place was enjoyed. But as soon as Jesus emerged on the scene, John never had any other thought but to send men to Jesus. This leads us to point number one this morning. It is not about you. It's all about Jesus Christ. That should be our motivating factor for everything we do, church. Whether it be how you raise your family, how you speak to your spouse, how you raise your kids, how you work, your work ethic, what you do, what you work for, why you earn an income, all of these things. It's not about us, it's about Him. That's the way John the Baptist's life was. He kept nothing back, but he always preached, devoted everything to Jesus Christ. It's easy for us, even as Christians, even in the church, to become fixated on things, become jealous for things, become obsessed with things that don't even matter, right? We can see something, we can say, oh, I really need this thing. We become obsessed with whatever that is. But John the Baptist, we always see him talking about Jesus Christ. He held nothing back 
except that to pursue his Savior. In verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this. They followed Jesus. They didn't ask to follow Jesus. They just started following him. Jesus turns around and says to them this in verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Their response was, we want to follow you. We want to spend time with you. Where you're staying is where we want to go and we want to stay. We just want to be in your presence. Verse 39, Jesus said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was saying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour, which is about 4 o'clock. So when they had seen so far that two disciples have followed Jesus. That's what we've seen so far. Verse 40, of the two disciples who heard John speak and followed Jesus, one of them was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Andrew and another disciple who's unnamed are the first two disciples of Jesus Christ. They were first John the Baptist disciples. And if you'll notice at the, or remember from the beginning of the series, we talked about how John was the author for the book of John but he doesn't mention himself by name. So this other disciple is believed to be John, the author of the book. So Andrew and John were John the Baptist's disciples. They picked up and followed Jesus. Let's look at verse 41. This is immediately Andrew started following Jesus, but then we're told what he does next in verse 41. He went and found his brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Now, Andrew was going and doing family evangelism. This is exactly what Pastor Terry talked about last week. A lot of times we don't want to talk to people about the gospel because we don't want to talk to strangers, right? Well, There's people in your life who don't know the gospel, who are not saved, who may not be strangers, and they're family. And this is exactly what Andrew did. He ran to his brother. Immediately, he went and found his brother and said, we have found the Christ. This was wonderful news, he was telling his family. Andrew saw the gospel as great news, and he excitedly shared it with his family. I want us to look at this for a minute. I was thinking about how Andrew first went to his family. Yet in our day, I know sometimes I hear, and I've thought it before, that it's hard to talk to family. What are some reasons maybe why it's hard to talk to family? Do they know your past, right? I know I used to think this, and many of us think this is, well, they know all my sins. They know my past. They know I'm not that type of person. Now I'm going to come and talk to them about Jesus Christ. And I want us to think, if that's holding us back from sharing the gospel, what type of gospel is it we're trying to share? Because if they know your past, that should be even more of a reason that you go. That's an even better reason to go to them. Is because, listen, hey, you know my past. You know how I used to be. You know the type of sins I struggled with. But let me show you what Jesus has done. That's what Andrew did. It was all about Jesus. Andrew didn't come and just all of a sudden talk with him about his past lifestyle. He said, hey, let me show you Jesus Christ. That's how it should be with our family as well. 
I want to encourage you this morning, if you have unbelieving family members, be like Andrew and John the Baptist. Maybe you're an unbeliever here this morning. You're not even sure about this whole church Christianity Jesus thing. I encourage you, listen to what the Bible is actually saying. It is a life-changing message unlike anywhere else. I want to ask the question to us this morning. Do you regard the gospel as incredibly exciting news to share? Or is it something you're ashamed about? Is it something incredibly exciting that's changed your life? That you can't wait to share with others because of what it's done. This is what Andrew was like. He ran and found his brother and said, we finally found him. This, this person, this God that we've been searching for, I found him. Let me show you. Let me tell you about him. Or is it this thing that we get all frustrated and anxious and we, really, we want to talk with him, but we're not really sure how. And we come up with a thousand different strategies. And then we never do anything about it. I want us to think, what is the gospel to us? Because if we're not sharing the gospel, and we don't have a passion to share the gospel, or we're not doing it, or we're not growing in how to do that, maybe we don't even think the gospel is good news. The Bible says the gospel is good news. So maybe we need to evaluate our understanding of the gospel. Maybe we just need to spend time with the Lord and say, God, please give me this message of what the gospel is. Help me to understand it to where I'm passionate about it. So that we can run and tell people what the gospel really is. And how it changed our life. If you feel ashamed because they know you or your past sins, that's even better, church. You have more of an opportunity to tell them. Because they've seen it in the past and they know it in the future. I want to ask a question. And I need your participation. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call on anybody. But how many of you know... That there's some people in your life, that there's some conversations you need to have with them about the gospel. You know there's family members or friends or people in your life that you feel the Lord may have placed there. That you're thinking right now, hey, that's my brother or that's my neighbor or that's my coworker or that's whoever that I need to start doing something with to share the gospel. If that's you, can you raise your hand? Okay. I just want to take a moment and I want to pray for us to have boldness to do some of those things, and then we'll continue. Let's pray. God, we want to be about sharing the gospel. God, I think all of us know some people in our lives who are unbelievers. God, I pray that we may be like Andrew, and that it may just be about introducing people into a relationship with you. It's not about convincing them or trying to change their mind. God, it's just simply showing them what you've done in our lives. God, we just testify. All we can do is testify to who you are, what you've done. God, I pray for all of us here who have these people on our minds. God, give us boldness. Give us courage. God, I pray for opportunities. May you set up opportunities in each of our lives to where you just make it so clear that this is something we have to do. And in that moment, God, help us just give us the words to say. I pray that we're a church that is on the move sharing the gospel as Andrew was and John the Baptist was, that we leave nothing back. God, I pray for these individuals who feel that. I thank you for them feeling that, for them having that heart. God, we do all this for your glory. Give us strength. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another thing as I was studying this is Andrew was the first disciple. And even in this verse 40, listen to what it says. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. And then what else does it say, church? If you're following along your Bible, verse 40, Andrew, who? Simon Peter's brother. Now, how come Andrew is referred to as Simon Peter's brother and not just Andrew? Well, Andrew is most well known in the Bible as Simon Peter's brother. Peter was one of the main disciples of Jesus Christ. Remember, John, or, uh, Andrew started following John the Baptist. John the Baptist preached and Peter, or Andrew started following Jesus then. And then Andrew went and found Peter and said, Hey, we found the Messiah. But I want us to look because it would have been really easy for Andrew to become bitter about this. Andrew was the first disciple of Jesus, not Peter. More so than that, Andrew was the one who went and told his brother about Jesus. And on top of all that, Andrew was older than Peter. Yet in the Bible, Peter is the one who's well known. Everybody knows Peter. And Peter was the one who spent more time with Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine, this would be the illustration. Let's say you have a good friend. And you bring your good friend home and who happens to meet your little brother or little sister, right? And then your good friend becomes even better friends with your little brother or little sister than you. And they start going out and hanging out and leave you at home. And you're the older brother or, or sister, right? How would that make you feel? A lot of us we would be like, what is going on? This was my friend. I met them. I casually introduced them, right? And now they're doing... Well, Andrew didn't have any of these feelings. He was just thankful to know Jesus Christ. He was just thankful to know. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't upset. We see no indication from the scriptures, even though Andrew was the first disciple and that he was older. Andrew knew it was just about introducing people to Jesus Christ. We actually see from scripture that's some things that characterize him. He was the one in John 6 who invited the boy with the loaves and fish to Jesus. And later in Scripture, we see that it's Andrew who brought groups of people to Jesus. He's always just bringing people to Jesus, never worrying about where he fits in this whole scheme of things. He's just excited to be able to know Jesus Christ. We should be like Andrew, church. We need to take steps to share our faith. Remember, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. Let's move on to verse 43. Verse 43 says this, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So now, Philip is following Jesus. Verse 45, look what immediately happens. Philip went and found Nathanael. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. The same thing. Hey, listen, come and see. Check what he's done in my life. You just have to know him. You have to meet him. So Jesus found Philip. Philip immediately went and found somebody else. Do we notice how fast the gospel is spreading? This is how it should be or could be in our life too. We can do these things. 
Philip went, found Nathaniel. Evangelism, church, is just simply introducing someone to Jesus. I think maybe we all need to begin to think of some ways how we can do this. What are some ways we can introduce people to Jesus? Here's a quick example, non-confrontational, easy example. Has anyone ever taken the time to show you who Jesus really is from the Bible? From his own words, that way you can evaluate the claim for yourself. I mean, if you're talking to somebody, you can just ask them, has anyone ever sat down with you and really showed you from the Bible who Jesus is? That way you can decide on your own. I mean, that's a conversational, and they can say, you know what, no one has ever probably done that with them. And they'll probably say, no, no one's ever done that. And then you just say what? Hey, I would love to do that if you ever want to. I would love to do that if you ever want to. You never know how the Lord will use these situations. They may say, hey, yeah, sure. I'll give it a, tr- I'll give it a shot. Let's, let's evaluate some of these things. Let's move on to verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How did you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So Jesus knew this. He had this vision of of him, and he said this. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. Here in verse 51, Jesus is referencing the Old Testament. He's referencing Genesis 28 called Jacob's Ladder. It's where we get this term from. But I want us to turn there, Genesis 28, verses 10 through 17. Genesis 28, verses 10 through 17. Beginning in verse 10, it says this, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Christ was referencing the Old Testament, and in verse 14 it it said this, And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is a reference to Jesus Christ. Out of that lineage came Jesus Christ, and all of the earth, 
has been blessed because of His presence here. Jesus would give greater access. He would be that gate to heaven. It wouldn't just be angels. Through Jesus Christ, we have access to God the Father. John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. The second portion of the Scripture in verse 51 says the term Son of Man. This is also referencing Old Testament Son of man. This is a reference to Daniel chapter 7. Let's, take a, let's turn over to Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verses 13 and 14. Daniel chapter 7, we're towards the end of the Old Testament. Beginning in verse 13, I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. That's the reference, that being Jesus Christ. And he came to the ancient of days, that being God the Father, and was presented before him. Verse 14, and to him, Jesus was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So here we see some Old Testament promises given. And it's given to the Son of Man. Jesus is saying in the New Testament, I am the Son of Man. So that means these Old Testament promises are Upon Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is saying, I'm the fulfillment of those promises. I want us to look at those promises, church. Verse 14. He would be given dominion and glory. We see in the New Testament these things have happened. Ephesians 1.22, this will be on the screen. He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church. Jesus Christ has dominion and glory right now. Scripture says in Ephesians 1, all things are under His feet. Whatever it is you're going through in your life, whether it be small or large, Scripture says your God has all things placed under His feet. He is above all of those things, has dominion and glory. In Matthew 8, we see the winds and the waves obey Jesus. This earth obeys the sound of your God's voice. That's what Scripture says. So He's been given dominion and glory, and He is over the presence of this earthly place. Mark 1, we see that Jesus, and all throughout the New Testament, has power over unclean spirits and demonic forces. And He casts those things out. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to Me. These are Present claims Jesus was claiming. And they're right now. Jesus has all authority. Daniel chapter 7 also teaches Jesus would be given a kingdom. So if the beginning of these promises have been fulfilled, the rest of them are still being fulfilled and are fulfilled as well. He's been given a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in His kingdom one that shall never be destroyed. Remember, John the Baptist came saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. It's near. 
Jesus said it's right around the corner. In other places, he said the kingdom is upon you right now. Jesus was saying he was the son of man. All these Old Testament promises would be fulfilled in him. Church, our king has come. If you're a Christian this morning, you're living in a heavenly kingdom. And you have a presence of Jesus Christ with you through the Holy Spirit right now. We are his bride. What a privilege that is. And the bride is full of people from every tribe, every nation, and language. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. You don't need to turn there. But it says this. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. It lines up completely with all the scriptures we just covered. That it right now, he has dominion and glory and power over all of these things. The reign of our king is real and it is right now. We are living under the rule and reign of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, I want you to remember, when you're talking with people and you're praying about how to share Jesus Christ with somebody, remember Ephesians 1.22, all things have been put in subjection under his feet. The person you're talking to, the situation at work you're dealing with, the family member, Whatever it is, your worries and concerns, all of those things have been placed under the feet of Jesus Christ. We serve a strong and mighty king. One who has the power to wash away sins, which is why we give him so much praise. Because just like we sang this morning, we didn't deserve what he's given us. I don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't deserve to be forgiven. But you know what? Jesus didn't deserve to go to the cross for us either. But he went anyways, and that's the gospel, that he rose again, he conquered death, he conquered sin, so that you and I could have access to God the Father through him. That's what it means to have the gospel, that we repent, we change our life, we come to him, and it's not because of a changed life we're saved, it's because of what he has done for us, church. May we be passionate about that, like Andrew and John the Baptist and all these other men that we see in scripture. Church, I want to warn you before we close. I've spent this morning looking at men whose ministries were fixated on Jesus Christ. But I want to take a moment and acknowledge the other side. The other side before we close, because there are many men and women on TV, the radio, and in the church whose ministries are not centered on Christ. Their ministries are named after them. They're fixated on them. They're not centered on Jesus Christ. And just because someone is speaking the name of Jesus doesn't mean his message is a Christ-centered message. Many of these false teachers have become rich off of selling a false gospel. In John chapter 1, we see John the Baptist say, No, it's not about me or anybody else. It's all about Jesus Christ. And they left nothing back. John the Baptist could have had it all. Jesus said, of John the Baptist, there was no one greater than John the Baptist who's ever lived. But John the Baptist, he didn't take that and run with it. He set it aside and said, it's all about Jesus Christ. He lived such a life and preached in such a way that he put it all on the line for Jesus Christ. Church, we need to be aware of false teachers and the false gospel. I have a short video that's going to show an explanation of exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Let's take a look.
a false gospel. Jesus did not come so that we can have better things. Jesus did not come so we can have a better house or a nicer car. He came because apart from our sin, we had nothing but death. And that's all we could ever have. He came and set us free of those things. Where was John the Baptist's new car? Where was John the Baptist's nicer life? Later in Scripture, we see John the Baptist, who Jesus just said was the greatest man to ever live, the most man full of faith. John the Baptist was beheaded for the cause of Christ. What about the 11 disciples of 12 of Jesus' disciples who were martyred for the faith? This message you just saw, and it's all over the place, is not a message found in God's Word. When they say a verse and then they tell you, in other words, let me tell you what I want it to mean. That's exactly what you just saw. Church, be on guard for these type of things. And I have a question for us this morning regarding the true gospel of Jesus Christ and a false gospel. And it's this, what gospel are your neighbors, family, and coworkers going to hear first? What gospel are they going to hear first? Are they going to hear a false gospel? Or are they going to hear the true gospel of Jesus Christ? We need to ask ourselves this question. Are we as passionate about the true gospel of Jesus Christ as false teachers are about the false, false gospel? Are we that passionate? Because they're passionate. Listen, they make a living off of it. That's why they're passionate about it. They're led by demonic forces many times and they go and they do these things, self-centeredness, and, and they have a passion to share a false gospel. We need to have a passion to share a life-changing gospel that's changed us from the inside out. That when people talk and we're at dinner or we're out with somebody or we're talking to our neighbors, we just can't be quiet about what God has done in our life. That's the type of gospel that we have. And so I encourage us, live out this gospel This is what we're called to do. Church, remember evangelism is not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Just pointing people to Him. Maybe you're here this morning. You're not even sure if you're a believer. Maybe you're a teenager and you're understanding these things for the first time. Maybe you're visiting our church or you're even a member here and you still have questions. Listen, talk to somebody in a connect group. Come talk to myself or Pastor Terry or a deacon. Somebody who you know knows the Lord. I would love to sit down with you and show you from God's Word His promises in your life. They're life changing. Nothing else on this earth compares to what God has given us in the word of God. It is incredible. That is the gospel church. Would you pray with me this morning? And I want to give you some homework before we leave. Because it's dangerous for us to hear messages and then do nothing to receive conviction from the Holy Spirit about somebody we need to go talk with, a family member, and then do nothing. It hardens our heart, and it hardens only what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, and we continually move away from action to just sitting and thinking about it. So I have some homework for us this morning. Maybe you need to have that conversation that's overdue. Maybe it's homework of, I need to set up that dinner with that neighbor that I've I've been just not doing anything with. Maybe it's a friend or a coworker that you just need to have that conversation with. Maybe you just need to study how to do these things first. And that doesn't mean 
that's where we land and that's all we do. There has to actually be like set a date. All right, I'm going to study for the next two weeks. And then the third week is action week. And I'm going and we're going to set some days to where this is actually going to happen. So I encourage us, give yourself some homework this morning. If you feel led by the Lord to do these things, I want you to make a commitment right now and say, I'm doing it. Just do it in your mind, in your heart with the Lord. I need to do this. And I just want to challenge all of us to do these things. I have homework, church. I have homework this week. My wife and I have talked about it. She has homework. We talked about it in our Connect group last week. A lot of people in our Connect group, we have homework. And Tuesday, we're coming back to our Connect group. We're going to talk about our homework. So I encourage you guys, place some dates, do some things. And to follow up with that, I encourage you to come and maybe email or send me a card. I would love to stand here next week and to share how we're doing as a church. I would love to share how people in our church are actually going about sharing the gospel, whether it's study, whether it's, hey, I just, I just set up a lunch meeting with this person, or I just had this type of conversation. I would love to be able to share 5, 10, 15 examples of how we're doing this next week. Deal? Sounds like a challenge, church? This is where the rubber meets the road. Jesus has stepped into our life. What are we going to do with the gospel? We need to be like John the Baptist. It's not about me. It's all about him. Let's point people to Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you this morning in awe of who you are. God, you have changed our lives with the gospel. With Jesus Christ, we can have access to God because it's only through Jesus Christ we have access to you. God, we thank you for his death his burial, and his resurrection where he defeated sin and death. God, I thank you that he's removed the sin out of my life. Not to where I no longer sin, but God, I know that I am a sinner and I struggle with sin often, but I have been forgiven of those things. I can now be in your presence. I can worship you. I can understand some things in the scripture because of your discernment that you've given to me. God, I don't deserve any of these things. God, I pray for myself that you may give me a passion more for evangelism. That this is not something I do. This is just who I am. That you are living in my life that I'm living so out loud for you that it just overflows. It's not even something I have to worry or think about. It just happens. I just talk with people about how blessed I am and what the Lord's done in my life. And that I'm able just to point them to you and say, listen, this is what he's done in my life. Would you like to know how he can do it in yours? God, I pray for those who have kind of taken this homework assignment that we know there's some people or you've placed somebody in our life that we know we need to. Maybe there's people here, they don't have any unbelievers in their life. They can't think of anybody who doesn't know you as Lord. God, I pray that they may open up. You may help open up their friendships. That they may seek even just to have friendships with others who are unbelievers. God, may your will be done in our life. May we be like Andrew and John the Baptist. Not that these men were perfect, but God, they saw you face to face. 
and you radically change their life. God, I pray that we may be all about you. We thank you for this morning that we can come here and worship you, that we can have brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you that we're your bride. We thank you that you love us, that you're with us. Whatever we're going through, we can trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.